0: Praise the Lord,
1: everybody. Praise Praise God! Ain't it good to be back in the house of the Lord this evening? Amen. 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 I know that this is a a little different from what we normally do. There are a couple of things that I wanted uh, to make mention of uh, first, uh, getting into this, and actually before getting to this, Um, we had requested those uh, ministers' letters of recommendation. And I'm asking any that would have their their letters of recommendation, please get them to me ASAP. And if you don't have them, you have till next week to get them. So push to get your minister's letter of recommendation, but we need them by next week. And that is for uh, our minister's course, our our apostolic minister's course. Uh, The next is this uh, we will be handing out our list. Uh, we were going to fill in those uh, with people uh, for the cleaning of the uh, Life Center and the school, which we are doing a lot of that in the school, but uh, from the Life Center. And uh, we are going to... I'm going to have Brother Chris come up here and get this, if you would. And if you would, please sign this. Please get signed up for this. If you're a minister in this church, this is one of our ministerial duties and we each take turns uh, and we're asking you to pick a Saturday uh, for your cleaning session. So please get scheduled on there. If if we don't have a full schedule, then Brother and Sister Cook will just go in there and we'll fill those dates in put you down for every week. How about that? Amen. Everybody wants to do it every week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We have been but first of all, I give honor today to all that have come into the house of the Lord, amen, and come to have, uh, hear a debate. Many have never heard an apostolic debate uh, or a, a, a debate on the Godhead, and uh, this will be a first for some of you. How many need a better understanding of the oneness of the Godhead? Amen. 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 I think we all do, don't we? That's right. And, uh, you know, great is the mystery. And uh, we, we are ever learning, striving to understand who God is. And uh, in Exodus 3 and 13, we find that in Scripture, Moses said unto God, Behold, I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me to you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? He said, What shall I say unto them? How many know that we need to know who God is? Stand with me today, praise the Lord, before we begin this debate. And uh, let me tell you something. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, I'll be right there in the midst. I want to tell everyone today, just because we're in an apostolic uh, or or a oneness Trinitarian debate uh, does not mean that the presence of the Lord is not here in the midst. And right here tonight, God can move in your situation. Amen. And he can bless you and change you and and give you a revelation of the Godhead that you've never had before. And I'm going to tell us all that we need, every one of us need a deeper understanding of who it is that we serve. Amen. Amen. We need to know who it is that we serve. So let's go to the Lord right now and just ask him if he would to bless this. Lord, we come into your presence today. God, I honor you. I praise you. I thank you, Lord, for another moment, another day, another hour in the house of God. I, I thank you, Lord, for where you have brought us from, God. I thank you, Lord, for what all you have accomplished in our life. And today I come into this house believing you, Lord, that you would touch and move and minister, Lord, in this, in this group of people tonight. Lord, today give us, God, a deeper understanding of you. Today, Lord, let us today, God, to walk out of this house having a better understanding who it is that we bow our knees to and who it is that we lift our hands to and who it is that we glorify today, God. Let us today, Lord, to walk out, God, mighty in the word, Lord, understanding you and understanding your character and your person, Lord. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Praise the Lord. As I had read Exodus 3 and 13, what Moses said, I would read Acts 9. Paul was smitten on the road to Damascus, and he fell to the earth. And Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And we know that Jesus told him that I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Amen. God told Solomon this. He said, humble yourself and seek my face. This is the obligation of those that want a relationship with God. One of the problems that we have today in Western society is we believe that we have arrived. Amen. I'm going to tell you with Western society, amen, we have a pride problem. That's a fact. And while the rest of the world is, is hungry, and we were talking about this before service, and revival is happening in great regions overseas, amen, we're seeing today struggling uh, in this country because people uh, are, have so much pride. And uh, today we need to know that we need to seek the face of God. We need to understand His character. We need to understand who He is. And, uh, and I believe today that God is willing to show us who He is. Praise the Lord. Brother Jones today is going to argue that God exists in three persons, co-eternal, co-existent, and a triune Godhead. And I know that they will make mention of these things again. Amen. And Brother Kevin uh, Cummins will be debating that there is one supreme God existing in one person all by himself. And uh, I I would remind us today before we get into this that... uh, we're going to remain civil and love one another, Amen. We're we're not going to get too argumentative, Brother Kevin. Yes, sir. Praise God. Copy. Amen. Copy. We 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 heard Brother Mason say he just wished Brother Kevin would get a little bit more excited. You know, yeah,
2: maybe not tonight.
1: So maybe not tonight. Tonight we are going to lay it down. We're going to give our our, our clear opinion, and uh, I want to commend both of these great ministers before we begin in saying this that it is hard. To argue a point that we don't believe in right amen Amen. we don't have a trinitarian here remember brother jones has volunteered himself to take that standpoint and uh so he is going to argue that the rules of the debate are this there's going to be opening comments and uh they are going to be limited to five to seven minutes in the opening comments and uh uh, each of the debaters, uh, that is going to be your allotted time, and you're expected to make your case for each of the points uh, that you each view. Uh, after the opening comments, we will give uh, of both comments that if each one would like to give a rebuttal to the opening comment, we are going to allow that. So, uh, and, and that's new. And I don't mean to throw a lot of new things on these debaters, but I believe that it makes good meat for a debate. So after the opening comments, each has been given their opening comments. Amen. after that, uh, each one has been given. You will be given an opportunity, if you would like, to rebut that. After that, each debater is going to be allotted 15 minutes that each debater will be given to challenge and question their opponent so brother Jones you're going to be able to question brother Kevin on the oneness of the Godhead brother Kevin you will will challenge and question brother Jones uh, on uh, the Trinitarian uh, stance of the Godhead after those 15 minutes each have been taken the question uh, the questions that our ministers have been instructed to give and uh, for those of you that don't know all of our ministry teams were asked to come up with two questions on the happenstance that one question has already been asked. So you will be able to pose a question in the microphone to to either or each of the debaters. And I will say this, that before you pose two questions, we will make sure that everyone uh, that would like to gets one opportunity to at least pose one question And then if that next question that you have has not been answered, then they will receive your next answer. If they have and you didn't get quite the understanding of that, uh, what you may do if someone has already asked your question, if you didn't like the answer that you received, you may step to the microphone and say, could you explain that a little bit more in depth? Could you give me a better understanding of the question there that was asked? So... This is going to be a segment that's going to last about 30 minutes. It's going to be very interesting in the question part. And then each will give their closing comments. And they will be allowed five minutes uh, in their closing comments there. uh, And we will close this out. And we will give honor to each of them. I'm I'm looking tonight for a wonderful time in the Lord. How many love the Word of God? Amen. Amen. I love the Word of God. Praise the Lord. So with that being said... Uh, You know, I didn't pick a way that one would like to go first. So uh, I'll just do this. Brother Kevin sits on my right hand. Yes, sir. Amen. The Bible says on my right hand there is power forevermore. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to let Brother Kevin, if you would, amen, to give his opening comment. Each of you will take uh, this mic, and these mics will be your mics from that point on. Brother Kevin, you will step to the pulpit if you would like to. Can I stay right here? I'm very comfortable. Absolutely. All right, Brother Jones, if you'd like to do the same.
2: I've been standing all day. Praise God.
1: Okay. All right. Go right
2: ahead with your. Start my timer. Okay. Here we go. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you for coming. My time is short, so I will not waste time. Give. I wanted to give a tremendous introduction for my pastor, for my wife, for my father, for Brother Kevin Cook, uh, many Brother Chris Cook, some of the theologians around here. Uh, Brother Nathan, my, I don't have my glasses on because I, if I can see you, I'll get scared. Uh, so I'm going oh, to skip the introduction. I've got uh, six minutes, 45 seconds left. Um, the biggest difference between the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the oneness is one really of tradition. Um, when you look at the, the doctrine of the oneness of God, it is the tradition of the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, verse you know, 38, then Peter said unto them, let us... Uh, you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that famous scripture. But it goes on in verse, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I want to catch this. I'm not going to go over a lot of scripture, because when I make a point, I'm going to make that point. I'm making a point right now that when the apostles left the upper room, On the day of Pentecost, they continued in the same doctrine that Moses had. They continued in the same doctrine that spanned 4,000 years of history. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And the biggest difference between that doctrine is the oneness of the Godhead teaches a continuation of that doctrine. But the Trinity doctrine historically is a reconfiguration. You see what I'm saying? There is four thousand years of understanding in between the oneness of God, who He is, in His person, His nature, His identity, right, His spirit, and then so we have a continuation in that on our side. But on the other side, there is a reconfiguring. They they said, "Oh, stop! We need to redo something. We need to re-understand something." And the Apostle Paul was very uh, prepared for this. It did not catch God who inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the Colossians off. It it did not catch him off guard. And in preparedness for this switch in doctrine, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and after the rudeness of rudiments of the world and not after Christ verse 9 for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and watch this people will say that but they skip verse 10 do not skip verse 10 and we are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power and what I'm saying today is is that if you believe the trinity doctrine you are completely opposed to the biblical point of view you do not want to be you, you do not want to be in an assembly line and halfway through it try to start your own belt on the other side it will not work trust me i've tried it I, I'm telling you, I've tried it uh, because where I used to work, we have two assembly lines. That you, 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 there has to be one flow. There has to be one way. There has to be one door. And if you try to work it out and you, you, what you end up doing, when you create your own assembly line, you will completely cut off everything that has already come through. And this is what it has already come through. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, 4, we learn there is one God and one Lord. In Isaiah 44:56, we learn there is one creator. in, in Isaiah 6:1, we learn there is one throne, and we find out through the scriptures that Jesus is that God, Titus 2:13. Jesus is that creator, Colossians 1:16. Jesus is the one seated on the throne, Revelation 4:2, and Jesus is that Lord, Romans 10:9. Jesus said, and I'm going to transition now to what Jesus said of himself. Jesus said of himself, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. Before Abraham was, I am Jesus speaking of himself in John chapter 14. Speaking of the father, he said, he that hath seen me hath seen the father and in the same chapter, 14 verses later, he says, And speaking of the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. For two, And it says another place where two or three are gathered together in his name as touching any one thing. There will he be in the midst." The whole point being, and I know I'm moving quick. Is this coming across? There is one God, and it was established in the Old Testament. One God, one Lord. One creator, one faith, one throne, one master, one father. And we learn that this Jesus who seemed, you got to understand, they didn't know that he was God until the book of Revelation. That's why the name of the book of Revelation is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. They were gradually learning every book. They were gradually learning every chapter. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus, who had left Gadara, uh, excuse me, Jesus, who had calmed the seas on the way to Gadara, when he got to Gadara, rebuked the devils in the demoniac, he leaves Gadara, makes his way to the house of Jairus. On the way to Jairus' house, there is a woman with an issue of blood, comes out, he heals her, goes to Jairus' house, and raises his daughter from the dead. And this is amazing, amazing Um, series of events. He leaves Jairus' house after this spiritual high, goes back to his hometown and they say, is this not the son of Joseph and Mary? They did not have an understanding that although Jesus had a dual nature, which we will get into later, the relationship between the Father, the relationship between the Holy Ghost, the relationship between the Son, they did not realize that this man who was a true man Was also truly God. For in him. In him. For God. Colossians 5. uh, Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 5.19. For to wit. That God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their sin against them. uh, But he was made to be sin who knew no sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Why did God become a man in order that we might become the righteousness of God? But this is not just a man. This is God manifest in the flesh and he is worthy of all of our praise. Thank you very much. All right.
3: Awesome.
4: All right. Thank you everyone. Um, and I appreciate Pastor for giving us this uh, challenge, ministry challenge. And I gotta say, it's been a challenge. Uh, but um, I'm going to represent the Trinity um, doctrine, and um, I'm going to do the very best that I can. Um, Brother Kevin may need to feel scared. I'm not sure, but because uh, I'm not going to let him off easy, that's that's 100 true. Come so. On with it. Um, As we get into this, the Bible clearly shows that the doctrine of the Trinity is one God in three persons. So this, understand this, that it is not polytheism as some might uh, claim. In fact, the Trinity is distinctly displayed throughout Scripture as being eternal. We observe the relationship between the persons of God having clear loving conversation with each other. These glimpses into a triune nature of God are clear through the continuous patterns and uses of terms of relationship to one another found in scripture. So the roles of the persons are distinctive but inseparable. Jehovah is that one triune God. Oneness theory denies the nature of God and the eternal sonship and the Unitarianism modalists erroneously struggle with the creation story, the incarnation, the baptism of Christ, Christ's prayers to the father, the prominent and frequent greetings of the apostle Paul throughout the epistles and Jesus who sits on the right hand of the father. The oneness theory is problematic and confusing, which relegates the son to merely a plan in the mind of God instead of the active participant that we know about in scripture as being a part of creation. Oneness is a minority view among Christians that has been rejected by scholars and theologians alike. And I will today, I ask you today, To really look at the words of scripture and affirm the truth of the trinity. So I want to share a few verses with you starting in John 3, 16 through 18. Listen to this language. For God so loved the world that he gave. We're going to need to ask that question. Who gave what? It says that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved that he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Understand that uh, what we're looking at, we're looking at relationship and that's what brother Kevin mentioned in his opening that um, there are traditions of the Bible and he mentioned the disciples And I agree with that. The disciples did get it right. They affirmed the Trinity. Now, as a reconfiguration in Colossians, we'll get to that. But understand when you, in Colossians 2 and 9, it asks the question um, that the fullness of God is in the man, Christ Jesus, or bodily. And what that means is the fullness of the Godhead means he's fully divine. It is the Trinitarian view that he, God, Jesus, is fully divine. And we all agree that he was God and he was man. So there's no uh, contradiction for that. He said before Abraham was, I am. Exactly. Jesus was there before the incarnation in fellowship with God the Father. There was notable relationship one with another. And that's what I'm going to show. And we see this in multiple uh, scriptures. One being in John chapter 8 verse 16 through 18. He says... Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. These are the words of Jesus. But I am the Father that sent me. But it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. How many are we talking about? Here, he's talking about two. He said, I am one that bears witness of myself and the father that sent me beareth witness of me. Clear language put forth. And then finally, I'll, I'll uh, move on to John chapter 10, verse 27. And the scripture says, my sheep hear my voice and know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the eternal son of God and they shall not perish Neither shall any man pluck me out of their hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of the father's hand. We're not talking about a man. We're talking about Jesus, the divine uh, second person of the Trinity. And uh, with that, I will... uh, One more scripture. And this goes, which is not a problem with any of the Trinitarian view. He goes in, in verse 30, he says, I and my father are one. So you see here, we've got two persons in one, which is exactly what the Trinitarian doctrine states. Thank you. Brother
1: Kevin, do you wish to rebut? Yes, sir.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. Isaiah 28:10. Line upon line, precept upon precept. I want to respond with one verse. I want to, and I, there's a lot I could respond to. But I'm picking and choosing. I'm hoping, I pick, I'm hoping I'm choosing wisely. If Brother Mason's in here, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> line upon line, precept upon precept. What'd you say? I judge no man, but the Father would judge. You remember that? Uh, Where was that? John 8. I want to re- Line upon line, precept upon precept. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 32. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him... Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. I want to tell you here today, Jesus is that one God. I believe, I know there may be some who disagree with me, and that's okay, but I believe that Jesus is the Father. I believe Jesus is the Son. I believe Jesus is the Holy Ghost, and I believe that Jesus is that one who will be seated on the throne and judging His people, separating them out, separating them out from the right to the left, as the sheep and the goat. And that's where the that's where it's going to be tonight. Where's where's the division going to be? It's going to be between Bible and tradition. Brother Jones, would you like to rebut
4: that comment? Well, I would like to say that the tradition. I'm not speaking to tradition. I'm speaking to the biblical text, and this is this is from the creation into the throne room. We see this relationship with the persons of God, and so clearly uh, defined, clearly uh, spoken of in language that is uh, is a, a father, son. And Holy Ghost. So looking forward to the, the rest of uh, our conversation.
1: Okay. We opened with Brother Kevin. So I'm going to continue in that line. Brother Kevin, you have about 15 minutes that you can question Brother Jones on his viewpoint of the Trinitarian doctrine.
2: Awesome. Let me set my timer. I'm going to be diligent in my time and respectful of your time. Brother Jones, my friend, I'm going to refer to you as Mr. Trinitarian. That way it makes it easier. <laughs> Mr. Trinitarian, you said, Mr. Trinitarian, you said, and I quote, I wrote this down the Bible clearly teaches there is one God and three persons. Would you agree with that statement? Is that true? Would, one God and three persons. Would you agree that the Bible clearly teach The Bible, the Bible yes. clearly teaches? Okay. Uh, would you also agree that it is a proper hermeneutic to have two or three scriptures that prove any doctrinal belief? Would you say that it is accurate that if you're going to prove a doctrinal belief, you need to have two or three scriptures that prove that clearly? Would you agree with that? Yes, you would. Okay. do you have any scripture at all from Genesis to Revelation that refers to God in three persons?
4: Yes, I do. And that is uh, first John five and seven. The scripture says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Clearly stating, but we can go to the baptism. We can talk about the plurality of creation. We can go uh, multiple places. We see relationship. We see different persons in the one true God. Okay.
2: There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three or one. Not one mention of the, the letter three, or excuse me, the numerical value three. Not one mention of the word person. If you're gonna stake your salvation. There they, are three. Right. Let me see. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm pardon me. But I'm not talking about three, but I'm talking about is there it refers to
4: three persons. P P-E-R-S-O-N-S. Persons. We don't I don't have to have your birth certificate to know that you're a person. Okay.
2: Okay, but if you were going to try me, I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to try me in court, wouldn't you need to prove I was a person? I think your existence before the court would prove that you're a person. But you would have to prove it in order to try me at court. Would you agree with that? No. You wouldn't agree that that if someone's on the other side, you'd need to know who they are? Have you ever been to court, Brother Jones? Yes. Did they know who it was? They were... They use their names. Yeah. They use their names. They didn't know. They didn't give an address, and and they didn't make sure.
4: You would. They didn't have with to define themselves as a person. They they listed their name. They listed their address. Okay. What they do for a living, but they didn't say, "I am a human being" or "I am a person." Okay, would you agree that
2: um, if we're going to stake our understanding of God, everything we say needs to be very well defined. Yes, you would. You would agree it needs to be well defined. Yes, sir. yes, ma'am.
4: I think all doctrine that right. we hold dear right. needs to be well defined. Okay, how can you well define
2: your entire doctrine when the Bible never says in any scripture God is three persons
4: throughout Scripture okay. with with the plurality you... of of uh, the the pronouns and what we see as i just read those to you in in the book of saint john right. how one was talking to another right. and he mentions there has to be at least two witnesses right. talking about court that's exactly what i read from right. scripture that there had to be two witnesses and then he goes forth and says i'm one right. and my father is the other one i like it besides the baptism where we see all three in one at one time. Copy. Um,
2: so you did say, I'm going to reiterate this question and get back on track. So it's true that you want to have, um, is, would you agree that in order to base doctrine off something, uh, you need to have two or three verses that plainly teach that? I just want to reiterate get, get back on that track. Would you agree with that?
4: I can explain it, but I can't make you understand it. Or would you, you agree see, with it? I've got to, I've, I've laid it out in scripture. I've, I've read it okay. to your hearing, but I don't know that I can do it in a plain it. way that you would be able to mm-hmm. receive it because mm-hmm. you're coming from a oneness mentality where I'm coming from a scriptural basis of the Trinity that's been proven right. over hundreds of years. Right. The scriptural
2: basis of the Trinity uh, is the word Trinity found in the Bible at all? That is no. No. Is the words triune God found in the Bible at all? No. Is the words co-eternal found? No. Coexistent? No. Co-substantial?
4: No, we do not use
2: those terms in the Bible. Okay, thank you. Um, let me ask you a question. I have some questions here for you. Do you usually pray directly to Jesus or do you divide up your time when you're praying one for each person? <laughs>
5: That's
1: a legitimate question. <laughs> I'll allow it. I've actually heard it. Uh,
4: Many Trinitarians will uh, pray to both. Sometimes, so when we talk about the one God, right. we can say God we or we can say jehovah okay that clearly encompasses all of god but yes we can say our father right. which art in heaven come on hallowed be thy name I like so that. yes we can pray to uh, or spe- specify exactly which person we're talking to understanding that there is one that they are one
2: right so you it would be perfectly normal to pray to the Father, and then pray to the Son, and then pray the Holy Spirit?
4: So, who's our intercessor? It's a man Christ Jesus. So right. we can, yes, we can pray. And yes, we can pray to the Father. And yes, we ask the Spirit to move on our behalf. As apostolics and oneness people often will say those same things. Right. Our Father, right. or uh, ending every prayer in the name of Jesus with, with that power. And then many of us often talk about or pray that the Holy Ghost will move. Well, are, we, are you praying? Go ahead. Okay. I'll ask, ask later. I love
2: it. Um, do you expect to see uh, only one God in heaven, namely
4: Jesus Christ? So we have a limited glimpse of heaven, right? We, we see multiple uh, persons in heaven. So we are told of uh, God who sits on the throne. Right. And then we're also told of the lamb who hands over the books.
2: Gotcha.
4: So I don't know. I'll say this in all honesty. I don't know exactly the, the throne situation, okay. but I do uh, just receive what the scripture text says when it right. says he sits on the right hand of the five. Right.
2: Would you agree that that is... Um, Uh, What kind of vivid imagery would you would you say that when it says he's at the right hand would you say that that is literally like physically speaking or that's vividly showing us like painting a picture.
4: I'm going to say literally because I try to take all of the word of God literally Literally. as much as possible with limited um, other things you know uh, types and shadows and things but just I have not been to heaven as of yet. And I believe you haven't is either. So I'm not going to say in the definitive. I know exactly what it's going to be like in heaven.
2: Okay. If we do go to heaven and we see three persons, how and in what way is that one God?
4: Because the being, there's one being of God in three persons. And we know, we agree that God is uh, manifested in different ways throughout yeah. scripture. So um, as we saw in the baptism, we saw uh, the man Christ Jesus and we saw the Holy Ghost coming upon him as a dove and yet we heard the voice of heaven. And there was clearly three persons showing themselves at one time. So I don't know if the spirit is going to manifest itself in a certain way because spiritness. As far as I know, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a physical body, but we do hear of many different attributes as appearing of a body of the Father. And then both we know that of the Son, he has a glorified body in heaven. Okay. If the Father and the Son are co-equal persons, why did
2: Jesus pray to the Father?
4: Because he made himself of no reputation. To be as man. He said he emptied himself. Right. And so it's important that there had to be. Just like I am not more important than my wife. We are equal. But yet we have different roles. And that's what we see in the person of God. You're e-
2: so you, that's something like God. You're equal but you have different roles. You would agree with that?
4: Yes. Okay.
2: Let me ask you another question. If Jesus being the eternal second person of the Trinity, you said that, you said in your opening statement that he has an eternal sonship that goes all the way back. I didn't didn't get get the rest of the sentence, but you, you was talking about his eternal sonship. Could you please for me explain the eternal sonship of Christ before Bethlehem?
4: So he said he was slain before the foundation of the world and it said that all things were made by him and for him. So there we see it again and then we see him in creation when he says when God says let us make man in our image and then we also know that um, that Jesus was um, you know was a part of creation. He was a part of can I, can Let I me say it? this. He, there was love one for another before there was anything else to love because God is love. He has to have someone to love.
2: Okay, I like it.
4: Um, so talking about the, etern- the eternality of Christ. And um, it was the order of Melchizedek. It says he will be forever a priest. I like it. How can there be an
2: eternal son when the Bible speaks of the only begotten son?
4: Very good question. Uh, understand that the Word begotten means um, presented before, or um, it means as of uh, a, a divine first person. Um, it was about the the unique relationship with with God according to the the Thayer definition.
2: Okay, thank of begotten. you. If the son of God if, if the son existed internally in the presence of God the Father beforehand and he existed as the eternal son before before Bethlehem, who was his mother
4: there's no need for a mother for a son correct we're not talking about uh human uh, relationship we're talking okay. about uh, God, which was unique which would, which that is what um, the definition of Um, Of Monogeus is Which is the Greek for Begotten which is single Of its kind Only and it says used In Christ denoting the only Begotten son of God According to their definition Do you know who the first
2: person to And I've, I've only got two more questions Do you know who the first person to suggest An eternally begotten son was
4: It's throughout scripture
2: well, um, in, the, in, in the history of the, the Trinitarian doctrine, um, I cannot remember his name. It escapes me. Martin. Justin Martyr. Did you know that, uh, that they completely denounced that after they completely denounced him? It wasn't just Martyr. There was another guy. I can't remember his name. I have to look this back up. But the first person to say the eternal begotten son, Origen. I apologize. When Origen came out. When Origen came out with the doctrine of, the, the, eternal, of the, the eternal generation, is it true that after he said that, they completely anathemized him?
4: So I'm going to tell you that I'm not a, uh, don't have a doctorate in the Greek or in old church history. Um, I can go somewhere with you if you want to talk about some of the councils and some of the decisions, yeah. but... Um, as far as what everyone said that claimed to be a father of the Trinity or whatever, I am not going to stand here and defend everything that they say. I'm pointing us back to scriptural text so that it can be clear for everyone to hear.
2: Okay. Scriptural text. This is my last question. And this really sums up, uh, the, I know we've been focusing a lot on the son of God here, but this is very important. Um, if the Son is eternal and immutable, how can the reign of the Son have an ending? 1 Corinthians 15, through 28. I'm going to have to look that up. That's 1 Corinthians 15,
4: through 28. Then cometh the end, which or when he. Shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, who's delivering up the kingdom of God? this is a divine Jesus, uh, even the Father which he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he must reign till he put every hath put all enemies under his feet. So what it's saying is that when when Jesus is done, there's not going to be any more enemies because we're talking about the kingdom of God. He's delivering his saints. He's delivering the bride. He's, he's delivering his people. He's destroying the last enemy. And here we have, again, two persons. Where's the Holy Spirit? It doesn't specifically say the Holy Spirit in this, in this uh, category. It doesn't have to say all three in one to explain a certain Activity, but it is the spirit. Is the spirit of Christ? We're talking about the the spirit of God, as in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and it's clearly there in heaven because it's a part of God, the one, a being of the triune God. Gotcha. Good
1: answer, Brother Jones. Thank you. Good job, brother.
4: Um, Brother Kevin, do you believe in the apocryphal books?
2: No, sir.
4: Do you believe or agree with the councils of the churches, like the councils of Nicaea? Not one bit. Who were the folks that decided which books were going to be in our Bible?
2: Uh, Well, I know that there were... Um, I have some learning, but I do not have enough to give you a good answer right now.
4: Do you know that it was decided in those same uh, councils that you're denouncing? The, the books that we have today that we trust are the true word of God?
2: Right. But as an answer to that question, if you're equating the two as they're so important, if it was important enough to be in the canon of Scripture, it should have been named. So it's not, it's not you know the doctrine of the Trinity and the word of God. Are not on the same level at all, regardless of where they come from, as far as uh, what counsel it comes from. Because the Word of God is the eternal Word of God that's never ending, and the Word Trinity or Triune God or co-equal, co eternal Sonship—none of that's in the Bible. So it, you can't equate those two. It doesn't
4: okay? It doesn't. Equate. I think you're going beyond the question. Okay, but okay, that's okay. Um, back to one thing that you asked about. You asked about is—is is Triune in the Bible? Is? Um, let me ask you some other yes, words. I'm, yes. Is the rapture in the Bible? No. Is incarnation in the Bible?
2: Okay. Can I give more than just a...
4: I, no, I, is the word I, incarnation in the Bible? I'll give you a yes or no answer. No. Is the word oneness in the Bible? No. Okay. I think we've made our point there. Okay. <laughs> so... Could I respond to those though? Could I respond to those? I, I, you answered my question. I'm moving well, on to the next to, question. Okay, I was just trying to Moderator. give you
1: got to You has got to stay with this
4: question. Okay.
1: Go ahead. Go
4: okay. Ahead. So, right now, why, why is it that the oneness isn't widely accepted by the majority of Christians? And why are the, are the vast majority of theologians trinity?
0: Right.
2: Same reason I like my eggs with ketchup. My parents... How I many people that, you know, tradition is so strong it will scare you. Tradition is so strong it will grab hold of generations and nations. It will make people go to war. And tradition is a powerful thing. When you have a so-called man of God stand and say, this is the way it is. You believe this or you're going straight to hell. Everyone in your family believes it. They start writing books about it. Of course they're going to believe it. And of course if you're if you're a theologian and theologians have a tendency to love Latin, and all theology is done in Latin. You're going to want, you know, everyone. So wants your to... answer is tradition. One hundred percent.
4: Yes. Do you know how many apostolic Bible colleges there are in the United States? I'm going to guess about thirty-five. Do you know how many Trinitarian Bible colleges there are in the United States? I'm going to guess about two hundred thirty-five. At least a hundred and fifty. Um, my next question is: Are you and and your wife, one person or two persons?
2: Oh, we are two persons.
4: We're two persons. Um, do you know which Hebrew word uh, the Bible uses for the two shall become one flesh?
2: Uh, I know. You're talking about heist and the, I don't know about the Hebrew, no. It's a cod. Okay, gotcha.
4: So the very word oh. that you use to say that God is in one person, I'm telling you, was used whenever the scripture says the two shall be one flesh. And that shows us not how many persons there are, but how we are together in one. You already claim that you and your wife are two people, but have you become a cod?
2: Okay, I love it. Thank you, Thank you for that question. Um, me and my wife are two separate people, and that is very easily proven. But the word Akkad, it's not necessarily, uh, there is some debate about what it really means as far as like, you know, if you've got one crayon versus a box of crayons, right? But when we're talking about God, hero Israel, the Lord, you know, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, right there at the end, there is, it is an absolute
4: one. And so you talk about it's the same Hebrew word. It's my question.
2: Right. It's the same Hebrew word. Okay. But that is a powerful, uh, powerful concept between me and my wife becoming one. But God is not uh, several. There's nowhere. I, I, the point you're trying to make is that God is like several persons that are one in unity and one in mind and one in spirit. But they're three persons. And, and trying to use the word God as a basis, as a presupposition for, for that kind of a doctrine is just insane.
4: Okay, I'm just saying that it's. Uh, Not specific on person, because we know there's two people in a marriage, and yet they use it as one word, the same word. Um, In Psalms 110, verse 1, the scripture says, it's a Psalm of David. He says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit sit thou on my right hand till till I make thine enemies footstool. The Lord said unto my Lord. Who is speaking here? Who are we hearing? That's the Lord.
2: Spoken. The, the Lord right. said. Unto my Lord. Unto who? My Lord. Who said? The Lord.
4: Okay. Who was, who was it? The, the, define who but, that was. But I can't. Because, or,
2: or, I can't exegesis. because, uh, exe- okay, exegetically. Uh, so I uh, I understand um, uh, when you look at Petras or uh what does it say? Either, hold on. An in Arcane, Hologos, Kai Hologos, Ian Proston, Theon. When you look at Patros or Theon, a lot of times people will try to say that Theon or Petros are, are same. They're always talking about the same person. So you're trying to say that there is one person who is the father speaking to another person who is the son. But that's not what it says at all. It says the Lord said to my Lord. And you've got to remember that. And I'm saying who are those lords? Oh, it's, just- it's the Lord. Like I, you know, I, I know it's a simple answer, but God, the Bible says he counsels okay. all things after the, okay.
4: okay. Um, Where's thank the... you for that answer. Okay. Um, in the scripture, it says right. 44 times that the father right. sent somebody, right? And that, uh, 12 times, uh, Jesus says he's going back to the father, right? Doesn't this mean clearly that there are more than one person?
2: No. Um, in, in response, you said that um, the question was just because uh, he was sent from God, doesn't that make... It, it, I, think, I think I understand. I'm trying not to ask you a question, but I think I'm, the gist is if the Son of God... Let me slow down a little bit. That way I'm not rushing through it. If the Son of God is the... you know, is, uh, If he was sent from God, then he had to be eternally existent. I think that's kind of the question. But in verse 6, John chapter 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And so in the same way, John was sent from God as a prophet, and Jesus in his earthly ministry was sent from God as a true man. Although he was truly God, he was also truly a man, and he came in order to do the same kind of work that John was doing, but to do much greater. And that's why in John chapter 3... Chapter two, he said, he must, he must increase and I must decrease.
4: Do you see that? Uh, let me ask you this: in John chapter fourteen, you mentioned this yes. that I would um, that he would send or no? He said, I will come. Let's see, he said that ye may okay. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Uh, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless; I will come to you. Yes. Was this done before Jesus came back, or being resurrected? Did did he did he say this in John chapter fourteen before the resurrection?
2: Yeah, he said that before okay. the resurrection. So,
4: did they see him at the after the resurrection? Yeah. So they came. He came back to them, correct? Right. Okay. Thank you. In John chapter sixteen. Right. Verse 7, the scripture says, Nevertheless, I tell you a truth, for it is expedient for you that I go away. Right. For if I go away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but I depart, I will send him unto you. Right. He said, I will send him unto you. Right. Isn't that uh, another person? No, that's veiled
2: speech, and it's explaining something that he would later go on to explain better. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In the same way in Colossians 1, at the end of the chapter, it says, "That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we receive his Spirit, we are receiving the Spirit of
4: Christ. I love Colossians, and I want to ask you another question. Is it clearly in the epistles, anywhere where it says that God is the Father, which that is your... uh, or I'm sorry, Jesus is the Father. You claim that, correct? I kind of, I, I would reframe Do you believe that, that Jesus is the Father?
2: Could I, I believe, yes. Let me just pull okay. up Give me a second. Is there anywhere
4: in the epistles that you see those words, since we were talking about specific, clear language? In the, in the that, epistles? That Jesus, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. The epistles. In John. In that John- It's not, is there anywhere in the epistles where it says Jesus is the Father?
2: Okay, um, something I hope we get to, and I know I'm running out of time, but something we hope, I hope we get to is how, um, because I want to clearly explain this right quick. Jesus, as a true man, the Son of God, had the Father in him. Not only did he have the Father in him, but he portrayed the Father. He had the Father in him, Isaiah 9, 6, and he portrayed the Father, Hebrews 1, 3, who... Being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, so He is the express image of the Father, and the Spirit of the Father is in Him. John ten thirty. Know you not that the, the Father is speak the words that I speak to you? I speak not of myself, and the work the work the words and the works I do I do not of myself, but the Father in me. So there, the Father is in Him, and He is portraying the Father, and in that way. Jesus sums it up perfectly. When,
4: we've, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. And um, we can also see Eli, correct? Yes. Eli is your son. He yes. can say he's your father. Have you ever heard it said that if you've seen one, you've seen the other? Many times we see that. For my daughters, uh, you can look at your son and you can say, you can't deny him. Right. He's yours. Um, one other thing... Uh, Can I respond to
2: that? Sure. Awesome. Uh, when we get to heaven, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not... The, the Bible, the word, the word of God is forever settled. And so if Jesus said in one place, if you've seen me when we see, you'll see the Father, when we get to heaven and I ask Jesus the same question, he's not going to give me another answer. If I ask Jesus when, he get, when we get to heaven, Jesus, show us the Father, he's, he's not going to give us another answer. His Word is forever settled. When you've seen me... You've seen the Father. It's not a Kevin and Eli thing. It's a God manifest in the flesh thing.
4: So in Colossians chapter 1, yes. verse 2, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, right. grace be unto you and peace from God our Father right. and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always unto you. Can you explain uh, how that there's not clearly that you don't see two persons here? If we could,
1: I would say this. Let's finish up with this question. Yeah. We're at a time lapse. And then we'll pose questions from our, our congregation. Okay.
2: We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we've heard of our faith in Christ Jesus. Let me, look, let, me, let me explain this right quick. God is the father of all of us, and they knew him. The writer of Colossians, Paul, had heard about him and knew him. He knew the son of God. He, when the Bible talks about the father, what do we think of? Heaven and earth. When the Bible talks about the father, we think of God and all of his power and all of his majesty. But when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know exactly what we're talking about. And so the blessings, that God, the blessings that Paul wants on Colossians is not only the blessings that come from all of the history of Israel, the God that was with Moses and David and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but the blessings that come through the blood of Jesus Christ. There, it is, he is explaining all of the power, all of the glory of heaven bless you, and the, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you. It is a, it is a dual nature.
1: It is a dual blessing. All right, we're going to end that segment with that. And Why don't we do this? Are you all enjoying yourself? Are you learning anything? I'm going to defer to our guests tonight if they have a question. Brother Fuller, do you have a question that you'd like to post one of them? Brother Cullors, anything? He about converted you, didn't he? Brother? No question? Okay, I'm going to defer to our ministers. I'm going to, I'm going to hover back and just go across the congregation. Brother Kevin, I need you to take the microphone and step to that microphone because this is being put on our podcast. Just, that one and one. just the one? Okay, so you can take the one, but step right here. Pose the question to whichever one you would like.
3: Okay, I, I had two questions. Are we cut back to one question? Until each one gets their okay. question. Um, then this question would be um, directed at uh, Brother Oneness. Yes. Um, in <laughs> Revelations, yes. in the third chapter, verse 12, All right. this is Jesus speaking. He says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is in the new Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God and I will write upon him a new name. My new name. Right. I love it. If you say that Jesus is the only God that we will ever see. Yes. Can you please reconcile this scripture? Absolutely.
2: Yes. So uh, Titus two thirteen to him our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, like I was saying, I wish I had more time, but so I will try to cinch it down. When Jesus spoke in, his, sometimes when Jesus speaks, he speaks out of his divine nature, and sometimes he speaks out of his human nature. Sometimes he acts out of his divine nature. Sometimes he acts out of his of his human nature. In one place, he was asleep on the storm, but he also got up and rebuked the sea in the, same, in the same instance. And so when we speak of Jesus, everything we can say about Jesus, we can say about me. That's the power of sonship. So Jesus being the son of God, acting as the son, he praised as a man who, you know, as a man that we're going to be just like he prays to the Father. He has a death, burial, resurrection. He has a new name. He has a throne. He gets a crown that is given to him by the Father as a man. All these things that are going to be exactly like you and me. And just like you and I are going to go and we're going to, we're going to hand our we're going to hand our crowns over. We're going to do whatever he wants. Jesus Christ, in his human nature as a true man, he comes to heaven. And, and until the time where all things are put underneath his feet, he has this nature. He has this role of a mediator and as a high priest and as a person who is, uh, who is truly God and truly man. Working together until all things he put underneath his feet. And now he's speaking out of his human nature. Out of, everything has not been put underneath his feet yet. And In the same way that he would pray. In the same way that he, as a true man he could say in the pillar of my God. Because in the flesh, not only was God his father, he was his God, my Lord and my God. Okay, hope it made sense. Does that suffice, Brother Kevin?
3: So Jesus, in fact, does have a God.
2: In his human nature, yes, he has a God. And in his human nature, he has a mother.
3: Does that sonship ever completely cease, in your opinion?
2: The sonship, does it completely cease? Uh, I don't know. does it completely cease? I think we probably have to say that for another debate. <laughs> okay.
3: Giving you some fodder there, Mr. Trinitarian. <laughs> I'm
4: Mother, not asking the question. Brother Bennett. So.
6: <laughs> okay, so I, I wrote these questions... Uh, in mind, with both of you answering. So uh, since, I guess since uh, Brother Oneness answered first last time, Brother Trinitarian, if you don't mind to answer first, and then just a very quick answer, uh, that way we can kind of get both viewpoints. Okay. So, and, and follow me as I go through this. So Merriam-Webster's definition of the word mediator is this. One that mediates especially one that mediates between parties at variance. And so when, when we look at this scripture, 1 Timothy 2 and 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So with this scripture and with this definition in mind, do you believe that Timothy describes the mediator between God and man to be himself or to be a separate person as in Jesus? So again, that scripture is 1 Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So
4: we both agree that there are dual natures in Christ. That there is a, he was 100% man and 100% God. So both uh, of our viewpoints point to that. One of the differences that I'm seeing um, may help answer the question is that I believe that Mr. Oneness believes that there were two spirits in Jesus. That would be a spirit of a man and then also a spirit of God. Where the Trinitarian viewpoint is that there is a nature of man, but not a spirit of man. So there's only one spirit, and that is the second person of the Trinity or God in flesh. Um, So the mediator is the man Christ Jesus as spoken. It's not Timothy. It's not anyone else. But um, the problem with the variance was the, the problem of sin is what, we were, is what we're talking about because we were in uh, enmity against God because of the sin of our lives. And that's why we needed a mediator, the man Christ Jesus, who had the blood that could be shed for our sins.
2: Amen. There's one God and one mediator between man, uh, God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Notice it's not uh, the second person of the Trinity, Christ Jesus. It's the man Christ Jesus. And so we see here that um, in his mediatorial role, there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. It is very plain here that he's talking about him and his human Existence, him
4: and his human nature. There's one. What was your question? Just because he has a human nature doesn't mean he doesn't he doesn't have a God nature as well. Right. That doesn't eliminate the second person of the Trinity. It it just says it just points to the uh, the humanity of Christ. Right. But God can't die. God
2: can't. God doesn't pray to God. God doesn't hang on a cross. God doesn't rise from the dead. It was a man. A man, Christ Jesus, uh, uh, John eight forty
4: eight. I speak to you now, a man. Right. He had a, he had the na- he had a body of a man. He had right. the nature of a man, right. but the spirit of God. Right, but he had the spirit of the Father in him. The spirit of God.
2: We're Amen. going
1: Go to, to move on. Okay, okay. Brother tallsman question.
0: I had a question for both of you, but I think it's been it's been kinda kinda hit on. So Mr. Oneness. Okay. Uh, Mr. Trinitarian has used the Psalm 110. How can you explain Psalms 110 in verse 1, where scripture says, The Lord said unto my Lord. Now, if we if we read this in English. They're both Lord. They're both capital letters. But if you go back and, and you read this in Greek or Hebrew, it, it changes them. One of them is Adonai. One of them is Adonai. Yes. So there is a difference between Lord and Lord. How can you explain that?
2: Okay. I'll give you the short answer. And that is, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God knew from the very beginning. He knew from the very beginning. He is declaring. The Bible says he declares his works. He declares the end from the beginning. And he was declaring. Right here. uh, Revelation. Let me see here. Uh, Revelation 22. It says Jesus said. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. So he's not a second Lord. He is the Lord. But he is Lord that is revealed in flesh. It's not a second Lord. It's not this Lord said to that Lord. Because we're speaking here of the Alpha and the Omega. This is, this is God in the process of time. Is going to come through the Virgin Mary. And that man is going to live a life. And be tempted. And die. And resurrect. But that man is not just a man. It is God. He's obviously speaking of God declaring the end from the beginning. The Lord working out his counsel. And uh, we're speaking of the Alpha and the Omega. Who is that Lord? They're both Lord. But one is, they're both. I believe believe in the same way that God said, let us make man, deliberating, working things throughout his own counsel. Let us make man, thinking of himself, what are we going to do here? Just like I deliberate, he said, what are we going to do here? I'll tell you what we're going to do. You're going to sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. But if you have two Lords, you've got two Gods. And that makes no biblical sense.
0: The word Adonai means God Almighty. The word Adonai has has a lesser meaning. How can you explain one God with two separate meanings? I think oh. he's still
4: asking. Oh, you, yeah, I got you. Because he says, he said, yeah, I want to know because I asked this, but previously and I didn't get a great answer. Oh, I'm sorry. So who was who was <laughs> David's Lord? Number one, right. who's David's Lord, and who was? David's Lord's Lord.
2: Right. The root and the root and the
4: offspring of David.
2: The root and the offspring of David. When we see when we see Jesus, there's something I don't know I know I'm not explaining this perfectly, but what I'm trying to say is is that Adonai being being God, like literally translating to Lord, and Adonai Adonai I meaning a lesser Lord, I don't see that as two Lords. I just see that as the Lord God of all eternity speaking of what is going to happen in the future. Because sit thou at my right hand. That's few, I mean, um, Acts chapter seven. He saw him at his right hand. He wasn't at the right hand during. He he wasn't at the right hand before. He wasn't at the right hand during. This is this is after his resurrection. Sit thou at my right hand.
1: All right, we'll leave it at there and we'll accept that as the answer. Everybody's beating up on Brother Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> brother <laughs> Nathan. Brother, Did come on, Brother Nathan.
7: I'm about to say, hey, don't excited. let him tip you on the answer. No, no, All no. right, Mr. Trinitarian. Here we go. <laughs> I've actually got two <laughs> questions for you, but I'm only going to ask you one, yeah. and then I'll get to the second All one right. in a minute. Let's go. All right, first question. On the cross, Jesus says, I, at the end, he says, I give my spirit. He does not say your spirit. He says my spirit. How is it his spirit if he is not also... How could it be his spirit if the Holy Spirit is a separate person in the Godhead? He would have to say your spirit or the spirit. He does not say your spirit or the spirit. He says my spirit, meaning that is the same spirit that gave birth to him back in Matthew chapter 2 when he says he is conceived of the Holy Ghost. So therefore, if he is conceived of the Holy Ghost... And he relinquished his spirit in order for his fleshly body to actually die, because prior to that, he could not die. He did not die. They actually had to pierce him to make him die.
1: So the question being,
7: so the question being how is the Trinitary belief explain how that the whole, same holy Spirit could give birth to him and be relinquished by him if it existed? by itself, in heaven, within the Godhead.
4: We've got three persons in one being, three centers of consciousness in one being, one God. And he relinquished his spirit, means same as if we would give up the ghost. When we say, when the Bible says, to be absent with the body is present with the Lord. We know that the body is still in earth, but it's that spirit that leaves and is with the Lord. So, yes, God cannot die, but the flesh that he wrapped himself in was crucified. And when he relinquished it, he, he allowed that. Same thing when we our spirit is relinquished or our spirit goes into the Lord, the body dies.
1: I love it. You know, can I ask a question? (laughs) (laughs) Scripture says God is a spirit. Right. No man has seen God at any time. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God referred to as the Holy Spirit.
3: Right.
1: Are those no not two spirits? And if they are two spirits, how are you claiming them to be one God? I didn't, see, I didn't hear where there was two spirits. Scripture says that God is a spirit. Yes. No man has seen God at any time. One spirit. And the Holy Ghost, which uh, Jesus was begotten of, yeah. you're claiming to be a separate person. So you have two separate persons, and you are claiming them to be one spirit or one God. How do you yeah. rectify? The being of
4: God is right. one spirit.
3: Right.
4: Um, but it's, you're, you're saying it's. In three it's divine two. persons. So, three centers of consciousnesses.
1: And, right. and I would Hold be. Hold it right there. Here we go. Repeat your last phrase. Three centers of consciousness. Are not three centers of conference, uh, consciousness, three separate gods.
4: No, not a distinct persons.
1: That doesn't seem to rectify itself.
4: Well, it's unique. It's not something we see (laughs) in other
1: places as human beings. Brother Chris, your turn.
2: Jones, you are the man, but I think...
5: Help Brother Kevin. He needs some help too. This is directed to Brother Jones. I appreciate all of the scripture that you've given uh, because opinion... Uh, about something so important needs to be rooted and grounded in the scripture. Uh, you quoted earlier John 16 and 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You
7: declared that
5: <clears throat> a moment ago. But if if that is the case, John 14 and 16 says, Jesus says that, he will ask the Father to send another comforter, right. being the Holy Ghost. But in verse 18, it says that he, being Jesus, would come. Which will it be, the Holy Ghost or Jesus?
4: So it's that, self, it's that same one God, one eternal being. Um, oneness believes its different roles or different modes but um, Trinitarian view is that it's different persons. Um, we do. I think I answered the question earlier. Maybe you didn't hear it. But he said, "I'm going to come back to you." He did. He came back in that glorified body after the resurrection. The h- Jesus, did Jesus, Jesus did. did. Jesus did. Jesus um, did. And yes, we know the Holy Ghost was is that is the Spirit of God, and it was. It came into the world. Um, It was on people. It was on Jesus. It came down as a dove. And yet after he died. As the comforter it would come. It's When you say you've got the Holy Ghost. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Or do you have the Holy Ghost? I have Jesus
3: in my heart. Same thing. But
4: you say you have the Holy Ghost. It's it's that one God.
3: God In three persons. persons.
4: I didn't say separate. I said distinct.
5: Distinct persons. If they're distinct, how can they be the same? Or how can they? How can the Holy Ghost come? Or how can Jesus come? I would like to know which one, according to Scripture, is it? The Holy
4: Ghost would come. As Jesus the is at the right hand Jesus of the Father. The Father the I'll, just, I'll answer that. Hopefully, you will. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and He's our mediator in heaven. So it's the Holy Ghost.
5: So Jesus sent the Holy.
4: Yes, on
5: the right hand the
4: just car. like just like the Father sent the Son, and
5: but in verse 18 he said, "I will come." Jesus said, "I will,"
4: come. and he did. After he was resurrected, he came and showed himself to the disciples. Let let me make
2: a comment. This is the oneness of God,
1: brother Josh. <laughs> Very good. good answer, brother Josh. Question. <clears throat>
0: This is to Mr. Oneness. Can you explain Genesis 19 and 24?
2: Genesis 19, 24.
0: Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. In the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. It's Yahweh. And the from there is... Uh, is Strong's 854, it's it's defined as with, near, or together with.
2: Yes, absolutely. So this is obviously about divine judgment. God is judging his people as he will if we don't turn from our sins. The Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone from fire from the Lord out of heaven. Obviously, I I don't want to say that Um, I don't want to say too much about Sodom and Gomorrah, so let's just stick with the Lord. The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Uh, You know, in uh, in John, I'll try to be professional. In John chapter 3, when he tries to make a point, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. In Matthew chapter 23 and 24, as he is in his all of that discourse. He says, truly I truly. Um, and, and yet again in, in Matthew chapter 25. he's addressing them. He says, woe unto you And Woe unto you the Woe unto you scribes. Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you hypocrites. There is something about repetition that really gives it an echo of what is happening. When Jesus says, truly, truly or verily, verily. You really know something is really important. And uh, as we know from uh, Scripture, this escapes my mind what Scripture it is, but as we know from Scripture in, in the book of Romans, when Adam fell, creation fell. And all of creation has been... I mean, wild things have happened. Stars have fell from heaven. Tornadoes have come through. And so, when we see here the, the judgment of God in 19 and 24, it is that double showing where is this judgment coming from? The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone. And from the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. This did not come as an accident. This did not come because of the weather. This did not come because of an asteroid. But he is showing this, if there was any doubt, this brimstone came from the Lord.
1: Okay. It's a good answer. Brother
6: John, question? (coughs) This is also for Brother Oneness, as uh, (laughs) Brother Josh called him. And uh, I promise this isn't to beat up on Brother Oneness, but um, I think he'll do a great job explaining this question. I'm trying to. Um, so in John 17 and five, and I'll go ahead and read that. This is Jesus praying. He says, and now, O father, glorify thou me with thine own self, which the glory, which I had with thee before the world was. So in this verse, Jesus prays to the father and refers to the glory they shared before the world began. How can this be if there's only one divine person and one is theology?
2: All right. I love that question. Thank you for that question. This glory is not the type of glory that God the Father has in heaven pre-incarnation. And this is not speaking of being glorified in the sense in that sense. John chapter 17 is one chapter before before Calvary. And he is speaking here of the glory that is coming from the cross. When he says, and now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He is speaking specifically of Calvary. Glorify me with that. It had been the plan all along for him to go to the cross. If Christ had not gone to the cross, everyone that had died and gone to Abraham's bosom never would have had access into the presence of God. If Christ had never gone to the cross, we would never have remission of sins. If Christ had not gone to the cross, we could not know him. We could not know his person. We could not know his heart, his will. There would be no breaking of the law. There'd be no tearing of the veil. This glory is the glory that comes with the cross. And if you go on to read, um just through the rest of the, just through the rest of the chapter, he talks about this glory over and over. So I want you, you know, if he If you look at this chapter in its context, the glory that is spoken of over and over in John 17 is not a glory that God gets from being worshipped in heaven. This is the glory of the cross of Calvary.
1: That is a good answer. Good answer. Brother Bell? Question? We're about to finish up. They're going to give the closing arguments.
3: Actually, both questions I had, you've answered one of them and you hit on it, but the other one, this... This is not a, a Jesus and God question. This is just a, a different another question I just like your viewpoint on. I know where he stands. Let us make man. I love that. go ahead. In our own image. where that question gets asked a lot. What would, would you elaborate?
2: Yes. I love this. Genesis chapter one verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish, over every creeping thing. So God created man in his own image. When I was studying this, my answer is that this is the royal we. And when I, when I was first deciding whether this was the royal we or not, I really didn't agree with that. I, I thought to myself, there's no way that God uses the royal we. That's just something oneness people say to get by. And I heard it taught from um, several, several, several Trinitarian theologians, that there is no royal we in the Bible. That way, uh, so there's no royal we in the Bible. No one uses it in the Bible, therefore God doesn't use it. But I wanted, I want to tell you in a, in the book of Esther, chapter three, I believe it's verse two. When Vashti would not come before King Ahasuerus, what did King Ahasuerus say? King Ahasuerus, having this woman who would not come before him, his wife, Vashti, he says, what shall we do? Speaking of his kingdom. Speaking of his kingdom. What shall we do? When the king speaks, he speaks for everybody. If Brother Chris, who owns his, who owns his job, there's a difference, can I tell you, there's a difference between Brother Chris saying what are we going to do and Brother Lawrence saying what are we going to do on the job site. Because when Brother Chris speaks as the head over his boss, he is speaking for his entire company. And when God is speaking over, is speaking over creation, you've got to realize who man is. We have dominion over everything. We are over all of the fowl of the air, over all the fish of the sea. We have dominion over all of the earth. We have dominion. We're supposed to have dominion over ourselves, over the enemy, over the devil. We were made in the image of God. And, and this is no light matter. When God is making man, he's bringing all of creation into it. And I do believe he's saying, uh, let us make man in our image. There is a royal we. God is speaking over man. Like you don't even know who you are in God right now. God has called us to such a great purpose that when he speaks us into existence and makes us, he literally uses that royal we. Speaking of his entire kingdom, let us.
1: That's a good answer. We're going to have to leave that one there, Brother Jerry. And this will conclude our minister's answers, I believe.
3: Kind of struggled with who to ask this to. I think I'll present it to both of you. In Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 14, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So, it's a simple question. If Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but... He created all things, were created by him. What bodily form did he have before he became born in Bethlehem? Which one are you asking? I'm asking both.
4: I'll just say while he's getting ready um, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a bodily form, but yet a person of the Trinity uh, was evident in creation, and that's what this is describing that it was. Uh, that he created all things were created by him and for him. Okay. Brother Kevin. Amen. Um,
2: my answer is that in the book of the entire book of Colossians. Uh, every chapter proves the deity of Christ. And when you prove the deity of Christ you're speaking of his As we say he is 100% man and 100% God. We are not speaking of his 100% man. We are speaking of his 100% God. We are speaking of his divine nature. Which is the nature of the Father. And that's why when we speak of God. The Bible says have we not all one Father. Have we not all one Lord. When we're speaking of Jesus here. uh, We're speaking of Jesus as God. Jesus who pre-existed as the Spirit of God before before he was Emmanuel, God with us, he was God. And Jesus, as God, made all things. Who is the image? I love this right here. Who is the image of the invisible God? That's present tense. He, he, uh, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 clearly teaches a body. That's right. A body thou hast prepared for me. When he came into this world, we were able to see the Father because he is the express image of his person. So we know that in him we have redemption. Who is the image of the invisible God. We know that he perfectly reflects. But not only does he. It's like what I'm saying is. It's like a light and a mirror. He perfectly reflects the image of the light. As a mirror would the light. But he is more than the mirror. He is the light. He, uh, he, is, the, he is the mirror. He is the image of the invisible God. But verse 16. He is also the light. By Him were all things created in heaven. That is a major, a major point. It shows that He reveals God. We see God in Him. But it is more than, it is more than say, oh, I see, you know, I see God in Him. No, you see God in Him. There is a difference. By Him, all things were made.
1: Okay. I would ask, I would ask each of you just a yes or no answer yeah. in, in this Mr. Trinitarian and Mr. Oneness. Do we serve the same God? If you preach a God uh, of triuneness and you preach a God of oneness, do we serve the same God?
4: You just want a one-word answer?
2: I'm going to say yes yes or no.
4: I'm going to say yes.
1: Kevin?
2: Ultimately, if I'm I'm not going to be theological, I'm going to speak with my heart. I'm going to say yes.
1: Okay. There are many Trinitarians that do not believe that. That's
4: true. That's
1: they do true. not believe that we actually serve and worship the same God. Now, the vast majority do, but there are many theologians that believe yep. that we do not serve the same God. That's right. That's right. That's the truth. I'm going to let them make closing statements quickly, if we would. Okay. Brother Kevin, we'll start with you. Let me set a timer for,
2: for five minutes, but that's OK. that way I, I know when to quit. I want to focus this last time. Let's get together. Let's get together and do this again, because I'm really enjoying this, and I'd like to get much, much deeper. And I, if, I had, if I had another four or five hours, I could really go really slowly, and we could really hit every little point. So I'm trying not to hit the little points. I'm really trying to get the overall picture. And that's what I'm going to do in my closing statement. My opening statement was... There is one God. His name is Jesus. And I wanna, and, and then I said later on... We're going to explain the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So I, I want to I end by talking about... There is one God. His name is Jesus. The Bible says Acts 4.12... For there is no other name under heaven... Given among men whereby we must be saved. And Matthew 28.19... He said, go into all the world ye the gospel unto every creature uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Well, there's five instances. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 15, and Acts 19 where people are baptized. Literally calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not an accident. It is not a twist up. Jesus really is the name of the Father. John 17, he said, Father, I have revealed thy name unto them. I have revealed thy name unto them in and, and, uh, John chapter 16 he said, "The spirit which I will send in my name. When you pray you can pray in the name of Jesus. When you when you're baptized and you're baptized in the titles, it, it's not going and, and this is, this is why is this so important? because if you're baptized in the titles and uh, in Romans chapter 6 it, it speaks of the remission of sins, but it doesn't use the word remission of sins. It says that, If we be dead with Christ, we shall live with Him. And that the way to be dead with Christ is to be buried with Him in baptism. If you have not yet been buried with Him, your sins are still on you. The wrath of God still abides on you. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins. And so, there is no other name under heaven. Given among men, whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that that name of Jesus. When when I call on the name of Jesus, I'm calling on the name of the Father. When I'm calling on Jesus, I'm calling on the name of the Holy Ghost. And and when I and I know today, and I, I just want to close very similarly. I want to close very similarly as I began. I know today that that there is one throne there is one creator there is one god and that god is is jesus and uh i want to say that i'm gonna put this down so i can flip faster i i have a minute 55 seconds left i know that i know that the father is jesus because isaiah 9 6 yeah. isaiah 9 6 says For unto us a child is born. This child is the everlasting Father, and that's why when, in John fourteen nine, it, it makes it is not surprising unto me. It is not surprising unto me when John fourteen nine. If I already know that this child is the everlasting Father, when he says he that hath seen me has seen the Father, I am not taken by I am not taken by surprise. I know that the Father is the Holy Spirit because Matthew 10.20 Matthew 10.20 clearly states speaking of the last days He said when they deliver you up take no thought where you shall speak it shall be given it is not you that speak but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. The Spirit of your Father speaks in you. And in Mark 13.11 doing saying the exam exact words he doesn't say the spirit of your father mark 13:11 he says when they shall lead you and deliver you up it is not ye that speak but the holy ghost when i speak of the father i am speaking of god and all of his power and glory when i'm speaking of the son of god i'm speaking of god as he is manifest in the flesh in order that in order to break the bondage of the law and of sin and that we might know him And when I speak of the Holy Ghost, I know that I'm speaking of God who is moving in us and through us and on us. But I also know that the Bible says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And his name is Jesus. Thank you for coming today.
1: Praise God. Brother Jones, closing comments.
4: Thank you, everyone, for coming out and and hearing and challenging yourself with the Word of God. Um, We can uh, contrast um, the Shema with uh, 1 Corinthians 8 and 6 and see that it explains uh, the one God. Uh, we know the Shema as being hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one. But First Corinthians 8 and 6 refers to that one God as well, but defines him a little further. It says, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Um, and of course, doesn't refer to the Spirit in that way, but throughout the Scripture, uh, we know that the Spirit is present. So again, the doctrine of the Trinity is one God in three persons. I think it's important to understand that when talking to other people, that it's not polytheism, but um, we're talking about an eternal sonship. We're talking about a Jesus who was before time began in creation and go, and goes throughout Scripture, uh, into uh, where we will see Him as the Lamb in heaven, and uh, sitting next to the right hand throne of God. Um, the glimpses of this triune nature um, are clear. Pastor mentioned uh, the mystery. How much mystery would there be if there was, if it was so simple? I don't know, but. The fact that it is a mystery, it's because it's hard for us to comprehend as humans uh, because we don't see that in any other thing. In ourselves, we don't see um, that kind of a, a trinity of three persons, three centers of consciousness in one being. But it's this is what we're observing in Scripture. Relationship, um, a conversation uh, through prayer and love one for another. And... Um, this is the continuous pattern shown through Scripture. The, the roles are distinctive, but again, inseparable. And that one being is Jehovah of the Old Testament revealed. Um, so I, I, I commend my brother uh, for uh, doing a good job and trying to um, uphold the, uh, the theory of the oneness. But um, he struggled. He struggled. Especially with, uh, with incarnation. Never mentioned the baptism of Christ. Like I mentioned. Uh, didn't really explain. Um, Christ's prayer to the father. and I mean he attempted the glory part. But um, if you look at the glory. It would be in. It would not be. For flesh to ask for glory. Is not right because God shares his glory with no another, and so we see that as well. Um, throughout the scriptures, uh, we saw that Paul um, referenced Jesus and the Father. Um, something you may not know that uh, Trinitarians have no problem or May look at uh, Matthew 2819. He brought up baptism. I know we're not talking about baptism, but since he brought it up, um, I don't guess he's wanting to debate baptism as well, but there it is, clearly in Scripture, that and I grant that one name, but what I'm saying is there's still, in Matthew 28:19, the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. three distinct persons in one verse. And so that's why we have the problem of the the oneness theory and um, the understanding that they try to bring out. It's, uh, again, rejected by the majority, um, scholars and theologians alike. So, um, you know, I I commend him for trying. Um, I, I thank those that gave him some of these questions, some of the things I did not get to Uh, Like Brother Josh mentioned, I thought that was a great question as well. And um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated and uh, really are seeking a greater understanding about the oneness as I am because I think we're all students. I know I don't claim to be a professional or um, I don't have a doctorate in in theology or anything like that, but uh, I appreciate the ministry challenge that we've had here today. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we, I know it has pushed me beyond my comfort zone by far (laughs) to try to think through some of these questions from multiple different standpoints. And I'll just say, Brother Kevin let me out easy on a few of these things. So uh, thank you very much.
2: Can I respond
1: to Matthew chapter four? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the debate is over. No, you save place. it for the next time. Oh. Do we declare a winner in the debate tonight? Who won the debate, Mister Oneness? Everybody, give him a hand clap.
3: Or Mister Trinitarian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, that's exactly,
6: yeah,
1: that was a master presentation, that was great. And, and that was, uh, <laughs> did Brother Jones win? Yes, yes. sir, would you, would
0: you allow me to, gracious, one more question? Sis, I promise it'll be, it'll be a good
1: one. Quick. Presenting the Trinitarian doctrine this evening. What is it, perhaps in short testimony, uh, that caused you to move from that Trinitarian doctrine to the oneness
7: belief that I know you do believe?
3: But, go ahead. Okay.
4: So thank you. I, and I have believed in the, the oneness for many, many years, probably 30 years. Um, it's the abundance of scripture that God explains himself as being in one. Um, that is a part of it. Uh, part of it can be known as an emotional level, possibly. I mean, who would send their son to go die? Why wouldn't you do it yourself? And we know that that's what truly happened, that God manifested himself in flesh and, and, and died for our sins. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's taking a little bit of time, and, and I've grown in my knowledge of the oneness. and But it was that um, Colossians 2 and 9, Isaiah 9 and 6, and throughout Scripture, the Shema, when you see this over and over again, God calling himself one. The Jews never knew anything else, mm, really. Over
1: 300 times in the Word of one. God. one.
4: And... Um, that's what overtook me as far as my true belief in oneness doctrine. But thank you for that. That's a
1: good question, Sister Darla. Very good question. I love him dearly, and I don't want to see him. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I will say it, it, it all has to do with preparation, and it is preparation, preparation, preparation. And uh, I want to say to both of you, wonderful Wonderful job, and, and uh, let me explain something. This is a very hard job, and uh, so who, who's our volunteers to do this next time? <laughs> so nobody wants to get in those hot seats, do we? Amen. When you start answering these questions that, that really draw in us, it, it is a real challenge. But I, I want to thank you, and I hope everyone has, has enjoyed the debate, uh, has come out of here smarter and uh, and more understanding of the oneness of the Godhead, and every every opposing view that Brother Jones gave uh, could be answered, every single one of them. And our challenge is to find the answer to those questions because we are asked of those questions. And uh, I, I I did sometimes they're the simplest questions. Let us make man in our own image. And, and that's one of the greatest questions that Trinitarians will ask. So I give honor to these men. I thank you uh, for being here. I give honor today to the ministry. I want to thank you for your questions, each and every one of you. And I give honor to all of the saints. Amen. Our guests tonight. Thank you for coming and being with us. And we give you honor tonight. Amen. So why don't we do this? Why don't we stand tonight? And brother Fuller, would you dismiss us with prayer
3: tonight? Yes, yes,
1: God. The God, in name Jesus. In Jesus name. Amen. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus name.